From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode 416. Today's show is brought to you by Sourcegraph, Ladder, and Mode. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by Jason Snell. Hi, Jason. Hi, Mike. I have a hashtag Snell talk question for you. It comes from Luke. Luke wants to know, Jason, do you use shake to undo? No. Okay. No. No. Especially not. Okay. I used to use shake to undo when it was the only option, Mm -hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And and it would this is how it would go. Oh, I need to undo this thing. Sigh. Eye roll. Shake. Yes. <laughs> yep. Um. And now they put in gestures for undo, and I don't do that anymore. Yeah. But, if you, uh, that's, it's that's three, it. t- it's f- three finger tap, right? Three finger swipe. Swipe. Yeah. Oh, the swipe does just undo. If you do three-finger tap, you get that little thing at the top that says undo, copy, paste. I mean, I think you get that with one tap. Anyway, it's the three-finger swipe, and one way is a redo, and the other way is the undo. That's that's the that's the trick. Right. There are, there are many ways. It all takes three fingers. Yeah, so if you're still shaking to undo and you're embarrassed by it, uh, three-finger swipe. Is the system wide, system wide shortcut in iOS for undo and redo? There you go. See, mm-hmm. people are going to learn one way or the other. They're going to the learn that know. there's a tap, or they're going to learn that there's a swipe. But we're providing, uh, you know, either way, we're providing a service today. Yeah, we are. As we always do. If you would like to send in a question to help us answer a future episode or open a future episode of Upgrade with the answer, just send in the tweet with hashtag SnellTalk or use question mark SnellTalk in the Relay FM members Discord. Some follow out, Jason Snell. Got a few things okay. we want to talk about at the All beginning right. of the show today. Uh, as always, want to mention, you should subscribe to Upgrade Plus if you haven't already. You'll hear new ads. No ads. New, <laughs> new ads, ads, which are none. Oh, we premiere all our ads for Upgrade Plus members only. It's hot today. I'm, I'm, I'm doing the best I can. Uh, you get bonus content every single week. You also get access to the Relay FM members Discord, which is a great way to listen to shows live. We record live uh, every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, and the live chat. Uh, is there in the Discord, and you can also listen there as well. Um, we have many shows here at Relay FM that also record live. It's not just Upgrade. One of them is Conduit, which is hosted by Kathy Campbell and Jay Miller. This is a, I would say, a very supportive show that our members love, which is focused on how people stay productive with the things that they need to do and the things that they want to do. Uh, Conduit also just passed its one-year anniversary. So if you're saying, hey, I've never heard of Conduit, not only can you listen to it live, you can also check it out at relay.fm slash Conduit. You should. Uh, and so, yeah, if you want to get all of that, well, you want to get Upgrade Plus, go to getupgradeplus.com, you can sign up. Uh, yeah. I wanted to to put a plea out to our listeners, too, if they want to. Well, if they have nice things to say. Um, uh-huh. uh, we actually, ne- I'll, you know, whatever. Like the people, if you're listening, mm-hmm. yeah, we, we think you're listening because you like the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we never ask for Apple Podcasts reviews. Um, it's just not really a thing that you do. You'll hear many shows ask you for this, but we just don't really do it. It's just not a thing that we, we tend to focus on too much on the show. However, uh, we spoke about some things that we really care about that are going on in the world right now. Um, political issues that I said shouldn't be political. I don't think they should be political, but some people see them as political. Because of that, we got a lot of one-star reviews. <laughs> so if you enjoy the show... And would like to balance that out for us, feel free. If you've heard this and you're like, ha ha ha, I know how to get them, well, good luck to you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 
that's 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 right. I I, I think just wanted to ask. Podcast podcast reviews were a mistake, but this yep. is where we are. I think stars are fine. The written reviews I wish to kind of didn't exist, um, but yeah. they do. I, I'd say that for Amazon <laughs> products too, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Some Amazon reviews can be good. Like if somebody gives be. like something really useful and they include pictures and stuff, that can be pretty yeah. good. Yeah, the reviews on Apple Podcasts, very much like App Store reviews, are, are from, uh, I think, a decision made in an era that if Apple were doing it today, would they would not make that decision, but it, it got made already. Because I think like everybody else, including Spotify, they have reviews, but it's just a five-star rating. Also, thank thank you for taking the, taking the hit and uh, looking at our reviews because... Yeah. I have a dis- I have a very very firm policy, which is I don't I don't read podcast reviews. Like here's the thing, I wish I didn't, <laughs> right? <laughs> but <laughs> right, but I can't. Every now and then, I can't help but look. You know, there's nothing I can do about it. Uh, the last thing I wanted to mention is that there is a new permanent Relay FM network merchandise store. So you can go to relay.fm slash store. Uh, we're trialing out something new and having a permanent store. We've always done like we did uh, on Upgrade recently, uh, like a a campaign, you know, like for a few weeks. By the way, thank you to everybody that did uh, buy a Summer of Fun t-shirt too. Uh, but Cotton Bureau also does, which is a company that we've used for all of our merch for years. Cotton Bureau also have uh, print-on-demand stuff. And so we're trialing that out. We've not done it before. Uh, so to celebrate this, initiative we have four new relay fm t-shirt designs and so you can go and buy them whenever you want there's no campaign uh there are some really fun ones there's a couple of like apple focused ones like retro apple focused ones and then this other design that i really like called transporter which comes in a couple of different colors and because we don't have to do campaigns we don't need to do minimums we can just have loads available like loads of designs available so we're trialing this out maybe it's something that will extend uh, further with other network designs or other shows um, in the future so if you like these designs go buy one for yourself or you can get uh, sweatshirts and, and hoodies and onesies and tank tops it's very fun so if you want to go check that out you can and thank you for listening uh, to this follow out segment I have some follow up as well Jason okay. Stephen, not that one, wrote in to let us know that there's a new iOS 16 feature to add earnings reports to your calendar yep. via the stocks app Yep, it's true. It's true. It, they, they're using one of the many pieces of new information in the Stocks app, in addition to all that Apple News integration. In iOS 16 now, there is a new, a new feature where they are using the data of like when every company is doing its earnings, and they're putting a little button in that says, create a calendar event. Mm-hmm. So you don't miss the upcoming, you know, <laughs> exciting financial disclosure event. Um which creates an all-day event, by the way, which oh, makes, I find hilarious because mm-hmm. if you're on a New York Stock Exchange uh, or NASDAQ or anything in the U.S., uh, your the releases come out at 4.30 Eastern. But let's make it an all-day event because really, when it's corporate earnings season, it's an all-day party, right? Yeah, it's an all-day right? event. I mean, we're all celebrating all day. so All-day well disclosures. Woo! I know, I, know it's, I know it's early in the beta process, but I would just like to give my feedback here that the word event two times in the same sentence that close to each other, create a calendar events so you don't miss the upcoming event. Uh, 
I don't think that's yeah. Well, file feedback right. on that one. File but stocks feedback. I just you, you filed should, it. That's that's what you should be known for is stocks bugs. I be the honestly, guy. I I imagine the stocks developer is sitting at Apple and there's like a it's like that scene in Ghostbusters where uh where the call comes in and she and and Janine says we got one and presses a button and an alarm mm. goes off and everybody jumps to it. I imagine <laughs> that's what happens when feedback comes in for the stocks app. They have a fire person's poll they and they care. like yeah. They found a thing that we, I, and also I'll just say, I, I this is the first time I've opened the stocks app in years. So uh, thanks. Hey, well, maybe the person who wrote this in is that person. Maybe Steven, Steve, Steven, the sole developer of this the is stocks viral app at marketing. Apple, wrote in to remind us there's a new feature in the stocks app. But I am very excited for Apple earnings on June 28th. I think it's going to be an interesting one again. So I'm looking forward to it. We'll be talking about it uh the end of the month. Sure. Or beginning of July. I guess it's beginning of July, right? It's by the time. I guess. Yeah, I guess that's right. Because it's the, it's the 28th. Yeah. I've added it to my calendar all day. Of course you have. Party on the 28th. And so on August 1st, I guess we'll talk about it. And there'll be charts and everybody. Again, part of the day's partying uh, and celebration is the, the unveiling of the charts, right? I said Very June twenty eighth. I meant July twenty eighth again. Oh, it's July twenty eighth. Okay. Well, your your calendar was uh, filed out as a feedback for you. Yeah, you got Thank the month you. wrong. Mike gets the Discord. Wrong hey, sometimes. Jason. Yeah. The Discord always does. <laughs> That's okay, how good. I found that out. <laughs> they always file feedback. Uh, right. Apple has received fifty two Emmy Award nominations. Yeah. They're still getting it. Ted Lasso is still getting it done, and Severance. Mm. That's the that's the one that I think is interesting. Is that Severance peaked through there and got enough attention yep. to get fourteen awards? It's looking. There's a tough slate of nominees out there. I, I'm, you know, it's going to be tough. Uh, anything they win is going to be impressive because there's just so many. Um, we're in. P, it's peak TV, Mike. Yeah, it, there's a got. It's, there's it's there's the a lot. Platinum of age of TV. Because you know, Apple got fifty two, but I think was it Netflix and HBO got more, right? Which yeah. I mean makes sense, but it's just to put that into perspective. Ted Lasso got twenty nominations. Severance mm-hmm. got fourteen, and then there was another uh, eleven shows that picked up uh, between a one handful. and three uh, nominations. Yeah. I think Severance is going to do pretty well, and I reckon Ted Lasso is going to do pretty well again. We'll see. Like I said, I mean, it's an honor just to be nominated. Uh, yeah. those are, they're, in, they're in some spectacularly tough categories. But I think it says something about Severance being the next kind of like critical darling mm. of Apple TV Plus that it got 14 nominations. I reckon Severance is going to get something. My expectation is that like they're in the drama category, right? And it's Better Call Saul's last season. So... I reckon that show's going to pick up a few nomin- a few awards. Mm. Kind, I kind of imagine it not exactly like, but you know, like Schitt's Creek, when it was the last one, they swept it, right? right. I don't think they're going to sweep it, but I reckon there's probably going to be quite a few awards uh, going to, to Better Call Saul, which is a fantastic TV show, by the way. Yeah. I love very much. Trip Mickle, which by the way, I love that name so much. Trip yeah. Mickle. It's just a fantastic Mickle. name. Two like, P's. You're blessed of a name like that. No one forgets your name if your name's Trip Mickle. It's a fantastic name. Trip Mickle at the New York Times, who recently wrote the book about Johnny Ive, uh, is reporting that Johnny Ive's relationship with Apple has come to a close. So if you remember when Johnny left to start Love From, there was a consulting um, relationship set up between Apple and Johnny Ive, which initially we all laughed at and thought was just to keep up appearances. But over time, it has come to light that no, Johnny has actually been really involved. 
Um, and this may have been one of the problems. So uh, the New York Times piece says that basically neither side, both Apple and Love From, were completely happy with the arrangement as it was set. So uh, it was a multi-year contract that cost Apple $100 million for Johnny. I guess that's the retainer fee. Uh, but Apple had approval over Love From's client list, and it seemed like these two things made it when they came to the table to renegotiate. It seemed like both were actually okay with walking away. Yeah, interesting story. I, as we do here, we wonder like, what's the source of this? Um, mm-hmm. He definitely has some good Johnny Ive Camp sources, as came out in his book. But um, I wonder if there's some Apple sourcing here too. Yeah. Uh, given, cause I don't think that Johnny Ives camp would be like, <laughs> Apple is unhappy that they're paying him a lot of money for nothing. Um, right. That's an Apple thing. So I I'm fascinated by, by that on one level, but look, big picture here. When, when this came out, um, my immediate thought was it's just the last step in the long, slow fade of uh, this happens with in, in incredibly, um, high level executives sometimes you end up with this thing which is the 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 person has got their foot out the door but there's value in the in the in the company keeping a visible relationship with them it calms the investors it makes everybody feel okay about it and they essentially pay that person to kind of consult right like that is a that is a classic pay them to consult my uncle was a of a VP of human resources for a fortune 500 company and he retired and then he consulted for a while and they, they actually had to, they didn't have anybody with his skill set, So they actually did bring him back to do some stuff for them. But, but it was, it reminded me of that where it's the, it's the classic, Oh, he's, he's still around. He's consulting. And, and it's, you know, it's part of, this is just like, this is how this was always going to be with Johnny is like, they're going to give him different titles and he was going to come in a lot less. And then he was going to kind of just peek in and or work on a special project special projects that's a classic uh classic one too right oh they're they're moving on to special projects which might be nothing um and then this is like the 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 final the final step in the process of sort of uh removing the the bonds between apple and johnny ive is this now we are wrapping up our our uh, relationship with them so i'm sure and, and like you could you could cast this as oh apple didn't think they were getting value for money here. And that's what Trip Mickle's report says is, is, you know, people at inside Apple are like, we're paying him what for what? Right. And I, I get that. Uh, the answer is you're paying him to cushion the, the panic in some people in wall street about Johnny Ive being seen as some sort of a magical being who is the last connection to Steve Jobs as Apple. And that without him, Apple is rudderless. And by having him not just disappear, but instead slowly go out the door. And by the way, that timing of last week, having the GQ article with Evans Hankey, who now leads, she now leads Apple's design team quoted about the MacBook Air design, like this is the moment where Apple sends the message like, you know, I know you remember Johnny, but it's been a while and we've been soldiering on without him and everything's fine. So that's what they got for their money is that, which is the long, slow fade instead of an an abrupt Mm -hmm. departure that would have upset um, potentially markets and hurt Apple in the stock market. And, you know, that's that's what this is. I, I, I mean, maybe they maybe he was involved in some stuff a little bit but i'm i'm sure that those people at apple who are saying we, we're paying him what for what are absolutely right like no it does of course it doesn't make sense that's not why they were really paying him that but um i think it is interesting that this came out in a story and that it, it that 
honestly, I, I'm surprised it happened so quickly. I thought that they, you know, Apple's got all the money. They could they could do this for, for longer, but it may just be that um, Johnny Ive is uh, a little restless and still, and that Apple doesn't think that they actually need that connection anymore. So yeah. um, I, I like, I think you guys were talking about this on Connected last week, but the, um, the idea here too, that like Johnny Ive, like, I don't think he's going to rush out and and suddenly design a, a you know a laptop for HP. You're or something, thinking right? of like, uh, dithering. This is a conversation. Oh, dithering. dithering talk yeah. about that too. Yeah. I mean, I listened to so many podcasts over the I weekend know. while I was traveling. That, so I'll just take it up. As you may have heard on other podcasts, or maybe not. Here's the thing. <laughs> Johnny Ive was bored designing computers. Right yeah. now, maybe there's some truth to the fact that if he's starting out love from he can make a lot of money putting his name on things that he's not that involved with, that he hires people to design for people in the tech industry, smartphones and laptops and stuff like that. But I think the the the, the smart argument is if Johnny I wanted to keep making laptops, he would have stayed at Apple. I mean, he's bored. He's bored with laptops. He's, he'd been there, done that, solved that. Um, or at least in his mind he has. So I think he's gone on to... Uh, to other things and and it'll all be high design stuff and weird stuff that regular people won't buy probably and that's fine that's like he's ascended into whatever kind of white room <laughs> he ascends into and then he'll live there and design uh very expensive products that most people will never use that's probably where he's going i mean i could be wrong he could he could be like the next OXO good grips or design some hex wrenches that everybody loves but probably not I mean, his client list so far has been luxury stuff, but that may have been because Apple didn't want him working on consumer electronics. There could be some. I don't. I it agree. That he's probably not going to make a laptop or an iPhone, but like, there could be. He might make a pair of phones. Like, you never know. Right? Sure. I could imagine. Like sure. And it might be it might be a broad, essentially non compete. Which, by the way, non competes are not enforceable in California. So this is one way you would do that: is you would say, "Well, we're just going to pay you to not compete with us for a while." Yeah. But again, I think the scenarios are: it's either something that's esoteric, or it's a scenario where he wants to build this company up with money. But uh, you know, in the long run, is he going to be putting his best work into a consumer electronic product? My guess is no. Uh, that doesn't mean that he might not accept the job and have his mm-hmm. um, his minions his underlings uh work on it with johnny's you know johnny popping in every now and then to give a little wink and a nod and then disappear again like it has been reported and john gruber did some additional reporting on this that like people at apple have still been going to johnny for approvals and the thing that i don't know about this is if like that's been an official thing or if he was still around and you've worked with him forever would you not want his opinion like i'm not sure what's going on there Apparently that was upsetting some people, which I understand, and also some uh, yeah. some executives at Apple were upset that people from Johnny's old design team left Apple to join Love From. That, that's also true, right? That they're 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 hiring people away from Apple, and that that isn't necessarily a very happy kind of thing. Yeah, if I was a manager at Apple and I was seeing people go to Johnny Ive, who's basically been sidelined and is on his way out, and like using him, uh, and and you know the counter argument is. Well, but he's a he's it's Johnny Ive. Why would we not use him? And I like I get that, but at the same time, he's not in charge, right? Like you could pick his brain, but um, I could see a manager at Apple being like, "Why is he inserting himself?" Right? Maybe it wasn't completely clear, honestly. Like maybe maybe Johnny's still around. It's and, weird, right? Like that's that they needed to, to get rid of him so they can move on, and 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 I think this is good, best for everyone. In the high level, I think this is just works as designed, which is. Uh, this is the fade away. This is the slow severing of the relationship so that everybody lands gently 
Apple gets some some continuity. Johnny gets some money to start up his next thing, and now it's over. And that's and everyone, fine. Everyone sleeps easy. I I hope so on on a probably a big bed of money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> By the way, Trip Mickle. Do you think he's the third? Do you think he's like Reginald Mickle the third? Think that's where that's from, or do, is he actually named Trip? Ooh, that's a good one. I would like to know if anybody knows. I don't know. I looked. He's from Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, went to Wake Forest. Went to Columbia Journalism School, I think. And uh, but I can't find any sort of historical, like a picture of him as a kid in a in a white suit <laughs> with his with with uh, with his his dad Reginald Mickle the second and his grandfather Reginald Mickle the first. I don't. I, I'm I'm just making all of that up. But I just wonder. Sometimes you see a trip or a or and and, and you wonder. This episode is brought to you by Mode, and I want to talk to you about some of their keyboards. They have some beautiful ones. Over the past couple of years, I think you may know by now, I've gotten pretty deep into the mechanical keyboard hobby. I've even dragged Jason in a little bit more, a little bit further, a little bit further. Jason was first, and I went head first and then brought him along for the ride. I have a real love for the beautiful designs that people create, both keycaps and the keyboards themselves. I love the customization of finding just the right pairing, so things feel and look exactly how they want. And I've come to really appreciate the joy of putting these things together myself. Over my time in the keyboard hobby, my favorite products have been designed and manufactured by Mode. For me, they are like the apple of keyboards. Their products are beautiful, they're well-made, and the process of buying them is really thought out and user-friendly. One of my favorite things that they've nailed so far is the level of customization options available for their keyboards. You can choose the colors, materials, even design accent pieces, and fancy internal weights, which you can all visualize in real time in their website. It lets you kind of craft something that's going to look perfect in your own workspace. Currently, made Mode have two keyboards that are available. I have the 80, which is in stock and shipping now. This is an incredibly rare thing in the keyboard hobby. And also the Sonnet, which is their newest product that was shipping later on this year. I've owned an 80 for well over a year. Mode sent me an early unit of the Sonnet to check out a few months ago, and I am in love with the Sonnet. It is the perfect balance of design, customization, and utility for me. I'm also going to be building their newest version of the Mode 80 on Twitch. It's either going to be this Friday or next Friday, so you can keep an eye out for it. The Sonnet and the AT have different layouts. You can choose whichever one works best for you, either functionally or aesthetically. But what you'll find with both is an incredible uh, care, a level of attention to detail, the highest level of quality, and an all-round excellent experience as they are machined of incredibly high precision and thought and care. I love these products. Both of these keyboards are my favorite. I use them all the time. Keyboards are a tool that we use to get our best work done. So why should you have to settle for anything less than the best? And quite frankly, why would you want your keyboard to sound like this when it could sound like this? Mode keyboards are wonderful to build with incredibly detailed and easy-to-follow instructions and truly make typing an event to look forward to. It's one of the things that makes your day that little bit more enjoyable. You can find out more today by going to modedesigns.com slash upgradefm. That's modedesigns.com slash upgradefm. There'll be a link in the show notes. Mode, it's time to rethink keyboards. Our thanks to Mode for the support of this show and Relay FM. Jason Snell, let's talk about the 2022 M2 MacBook Air. Let's do it. I've got one. Do you have one? I do have one, actually. <laughs> I, I had a uh, midnight M2 MacBook Air arrive about 45 minutes from uh, the, before we started today's episode. Uh, it is a review unit from Apple. 
Um, and yeah, I have it right. I have it right now. I just finished the uh, migration assistant before we started recording, which went very quickly. Migration assistant oh, yes. is incredible. My favorite feature in Migration Assistant is the um, multiple streams of network that it will actually show you like, oh, you have a Thunderbolt cable and you have yeah. Wi-Fi and you have Ethernet and these and we've tested them all and this is the fastest and so we're picking that one. And that's very impressive. Um, and, uh, you know, I love that they show it. Um, and yeah, I've, I've used it several times because I review, I review laptops and stuff, right? And so I'm doing a lot yep. of migrations and it works great. Yeah, I had... I used the Thunderbolt cable, and I mean, it it did it so it just did it so fast. It was like so fast that I kind of couldn't believe that it uh, it finished. Uh, so yeah, I have uh, the Midnight model. I have the let me see what I've got. I've got uh, eight gigabytes of RAM, which was a surprise to me. Uh, uh, Five hundred twelve gigabyte storage, and it's I think I have the one with the ten GPU cores, eight CPU cores. Mm-hmm. And you had a relatively similar one in Starlight, right? Yeah, in Starlight. Yeah. Not my favorite color, but that's what they had. I do really like the way the Midnight looks. I mean, I will confirm mm. it's already covered in fingerprints. I don't care about that, personally. Mm. Um, yeah. If I was buying one of these, this is the color I would go for, because it's the new color. Like, the one that looks really new color. Because the Starlight that you have in the images that you put on uh, in your review... It just looks silver. It just looks silver. I know it is the it is the most subtle of all the the colors, right? Because it it is it's not like a bold gold or something, right? Mm -hmm. It is silver with a yellow undertone instead of a blue undertone. Mm -hmm. It's it's noticeable, but it's super subtle. Yeah, it's not. I don't really think that it. It's surprising to me to have both silver and starlight. (laughs) Like that's. You know, Midnight and Space Gray, I can actually kind of see why you would have both of those available because this does look somewhere between blue and black, right? So, like, it has got a different look to it. I thought that Starlight and Midnight were the new Silver and Space Gray, right? Yeah. And they would just clear them out. Yeah. But they didn't didn't do that. They're they're all, the gang's all here. Nothing's getting rid of Space Gray, it seems like, now. Space Gray, is is it the new Silver or is Silver the new Silver? Like, those... Like I don't, I don't. Again, because we every time we talk about this, people say, you know, I don't want a colorful thing. It's like it's fine. Like Apple's not going to stop making mm-hmm. boring colored products for people who don't want to have a pop of color in their in the in the Apple products they're using. Like it's fine. There will always be a silver MacBook. Right. There will always always be a silver option or a space gray option or both. Um, but yeah, the the you know I think the Starlight is is nice. I think it's a nice change from silver. <laughs> like I think it's a little different, and that's a good thing. Midnight is the one that feels the most different, which is what's um, exciting about. It. My kind of—I've only got initial impressions, right? You spent like a, a good few days, if not a week, with yours. I, I don't know exactly, but I picked it up to bring it from my uh, from my desk to where I'm recording now, the digital desk that I have in my uh-huh. studio, and as someone who. I daily a MacBook Pro and I take that laptop, put it in my bag every day, you know, like I'm used to yeah. picking it up. I can immediately feel the difference. Like this is not, I wouldn't say it's a light computer. It's lighter. The thinness I think is the the biggest thing that I can tell is the difference. You know, like it really feels as many people have said, uh, much more like 
an iPad with a keyboard than a than a laptop. I think in the way well, that it feels to hold in my hand, it's noticeably uh, lighter than the M1 Air. Mm-hmm. I you know I pick up, I can pick them up in succession, and it's like it's not one of those imperceptible. It's like oh yeah, and some of that is the weight because it is lighter, but some of that is also the spread of the weight because it's got a slightly larger footprint. It's a little bit deeper, um, but it's thinner overall, even though it's you know. Th- thinner than the thick part but thicker than the thin part of the m1 air Mm -hmm. but overall it's thinner on average and so the volume is less but that also means the weight is sort of spread out and so i think that they're both of those things are going on there where it feels a little more balanced and it also feels it it, because it is lighter and so yeah it comes uh, comes across as being really light and then there's just you know the old Apple design, I keep struggling in ways to describe it, um, and, you know, use words to describe it. Uh, sometimes I refer to it as pillowy, but you know, it's that thing where at the, it, it's almost like a really, really subtle dome where at the edges, there's this slow sort of drop off. So you get the sense that it's almost like um, the edges are just a little bit lower than the center. Um, where it, that's the that's the classic MacBook Air design. It's the design on uh, uh, it became the classic sort of MacBook Pro design. Um, but these new MacBook Pros from last year and the MacBook Air now, that's not it, right? Like that, those surfaces are entirely flat, and then there's uh, and then there's an edge to the to the next surface, mm-hmm. and that is a really different feel. Like you mentioned, the iPad, like the iPad Pro was originally like that, right? The, and a lot of iPad models had that curved back thing, and then they went they they went away from that, and they went to flat sides, flat back, and that they're you know that's a design thing that they're bringing through their whole product line, and it's it's good, it works, it feels modern. Um, you know, I'm sure in 10 years, people will look at this and be like, oh, it feels old, but that's, that's fashion. That's how it is. But it feels, feels great. looks great. And it is, yeah, it does have that kind of iPad vibe. It's, it's, um, in, it's about the size in one dimension of the 12.9 inch iPad pro, but it's, it's taller than mm-hmm. that. And obviously it's thicker than that, but it, it's, yeah. it's reminiscent for sure. I mean, and I guess part of the tallness comes from the screen size change, right? That it's gone up a little bit. It's gained a notch. Yeah. Um, yeah. all of that makes sense to me. It's like, this is the modern design. You know, you can mm-hmm. like it or not like it, but now when I open this MacBook Air, I'm like, oh, this is a modern computer. Like, it just looks like a modern computer to me. Yeah. And, you know, we can argue as to whether that's a good thing, but that's just what it is. I'm, I'm, you know, I was, uh, when I was writing my review, I was thinking, okay, I got to talk about the notch again. Like, literally what I want to do is just paste in the paragraph I wrote about the notch for the 14 and 16 inch MacBook Pros. There are people out there who hate the notch, I just got to say, I don't get it. I don't get it. It's more space. It's space that would otherwise not be there if there was no notch. It's not like they're intruding a notch into your precious screen space that you had. They basically have extended the height of the screen, but to do so, they've had to still leave the the sensors there. So they're giving, and they've built, for macOS, they've built the menu bar around the notch. So what you're really getting is a free menu bar. And the menu bar space that previously was on your laptop is now content space because the menu bar is hiding up with the uh, up with a notch. Mm-hmm. Now there are scenarios where you use a particular app that has like lots and lots of windows or lots and lots of menu items, uh, or you you've got lots of menu bar items in the upper right hand corner of your screen where you, it can be a problem because the notch is sort of like taking up space there. But you know, I, I feel like those are edge cases. Um, I don't use apps that do that. Even BB Edit, which can do that, I mostly just turn off 
it has a lot of extraneous menus that I don't use, so I just turn them off, and it's not a big deal. I use Bartender, so that actually reduces the number of menu items that I have on the on the right side. Um, and I just and you get used to it. It's just it's not that big a deal, and you get more content out of it. That's the truth. If you really hate it, there's a setting for you to turn it off and pretend that the notch isn't there, and yep. you just live in a smaller screen. But I think more screen space is better, and having the menu bar up there is better. So that's you know, if people don't like the notch, okay. That's fine. I think it's. I think it's an. I mean, look. Would it be better if it went all the way to the edge and there was no notch at all? Sure, but we don't. You know, we don't live in that world. Um, but I'm glad that they made the effort to redesign macOS in order to eke out more space up there anyway, with something that actually feels natural, which is the menu bar, which is not really part of the universe of your computer anyway, and can can hide up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I have no problem with the notch at all. It it is what it is, right? Yeah, um, yeah, I would say that the screen, the thing that I immediately noticed wasn't the thing that I expected would be the thing that I would immediately notice, right? So coming from a MacBook Pro, the 14-inch MacBook Pro, it wasn't the size, it wasn't the ProMotion, it was the brightness. Yeah. I, I really noticed that. This is brighter than the M1 MacBook Air, but it's only 500 nits. It's not... It, look, okay, so this looks like a MacBook Pro. And in fact, in that story I mentioned earlier uh, from GQ in the UK, the Evans Hankey quotes... Um, are all about how they designed the 14 and 16 inch MacBook Pro and this MacBook Air together, mm-hmm. and and they're of a kind. And they do. If you put them down together, they look like they are a laptop family, which calls into question the existence of that 13 inch MacBook Pro. We've already talked about that. Doesn't make sense, except it does. You know, it's an outlier. Just like the M1 Air is an outlier now because it's an older model. But if you look at Apple's core laptops, it's 13 Air and then 14 and 16 Pro, and they are all of a kind. They look exactly the same. Um, they've been they've been brought together in that way. Okay, so what differentiates the Air from the Pro? Because the Air uh, starts, uh, you know, several hundred dollars less than the Pros start. Well, what do you what do you lose? You lose a port. Um, but what you you lose power because they have the higher power processors, and the M2 does not match up with an M1 Pro or an M1 Max. But the big thing I think you lose is the screen. The screen, while nicer for a MacBook Air than any MacBook Air screen before, is not the higher resolution, very bright, HDR capable, and um, and uh, high refresh rate uh, ProMotion display. That is like the number one thing you don't get. It's actually kind of iPad-like, right? Like the high-end computer gets the pretty display. It's a little like that. So there's a super fancy display on those high-end MacBook Pros. The MacBook Air doesn't have it. And that's, that's I, I think, the biggest, single biggest difference, other than, I guess, the processor family, right? But like that display is a good display for a MacBook Air, but it is not close. Like the MacBook Pro display experience is going to be way better. Except for the 13. The 13 doesn't count. Yeah, yeah, we're not talking about that one. No, we're talking about mm -hmm. it in comparison. We'll make it very clear. We're talking about Apple Pro. We're talking about the new ones. The the proper modern Apple laptop lineup now is M2 MacBook Air, 14 and 16-inch MacBook Pro. Yeah. And then Apple also makes two other computers that are in their old design that are also available for sale as laptops. And that's it. That's what the laptop situation is right now. Yep. Do you have any particular thoughts about the M2 chip? 
Oh, it it is what it is. Um, it's the same chip. I mean, what what the lesson we learned with the M1 that came in so many different computers is that essentially you're getting the same chip in a different wrapper. So it is the same one that we talked about with the MacBook Pro, 13 inch. It's the M2. It's faster than the M1 in a lot of ways. It has the ability to run at higher power. Um, it it that also means that it can get warmer. Um, I did some tests of the M1 or the M2 Air versus the M2 13-inch Pro, which we said we weren't going to talk about, but now I'm going to talk about because it it's the same chip. And I was just trying to detect at what point it separates because the Air doesn't have a fan and the and the MacBook Pro does. Now we could argue that the MacBook Pro has its own thermal issues and that maybe is not, you know doesn't have that great a cooling system, but it does have a fan, right? It at least does have a fan in there. And the answer was, could I get the MacBook Pro to run faster than the MacBook Air? Because that's the one thing the MacBook Air Pro has going for it is the fan. Well, I did a bunch of stuff. I did an isotope uh, de-reverb, which is like the reason I buy computers with lots of processor cores, because it takes forever. De-reverbing an echoey room for somebody who's playing Dungeons & Dragons for Total Party Kill for three hours. Oh, that is a long, long process. So I did a de-reverb that took about five minutes. So it was a shorter file. And uh, the the times between the two were the same. Did, didn't, didn't see any divergence. I did a Final Cut Pro export, which I'll grant you was a 1080. It was not a 4K export. It was a 1080 export. It took about two hours or two, uh, 20 minutes. It took about 20 minutes on the second. Identical. Okay. No change. Nothing different. In the end, what I ended up doing to find any difference at all was take Cinebench, which is a, a CPU-based benchmark that does rendering, and you can put it on a loop and say, run this test for, in my case, I just said for 10 minutes. Run it until it's after 10 minutes and then give me the score. And on the 10-minute test, the MacBook Pro was a little tiny bit faster. And, and you can see the results in my review. It was marginally faster. So there was definitely some throttling going on in the MacBook Air that was not going on in the MacBook Pro at that point. But I'll point out, it was still, both of them were still way faster than the M1 Air. So there's that. And two, they were, they're both way slower than the uh, MacBook Pro, <laughs> the 14 and 16, right? Mm. So they are what they are. They are exactly what you expect them to be. And I, I, I appreciate that tech, Twitter and YouTube and podcasts delves deep in things like throttling and performance and all of that because you want to keep apple honest that said nobody should be talking about throttling on the macbook air because <laughs> it's not relevant like the the work you have to go to to get it to throttle at all is so much that and and what's the worst that happens it gets a little warmer it doesn't really get hot, but it gets warm and it slows down a little bit, but it's still much faster than an M1 computer and way faster than an Intel-based MacBook Air that you were using before. And so the worst that happens is you have to wait a little longer. And in most cases, you don't because the bar has been set so high for performance now with the Apple Silicon chips that, that what we used to call an extreme workload in extended conditions, like even a couple of years ago is no longer extreme because it just does it without a sweat. So you're, you're left with finding these edge cases where it really pushes it over the edge. And, and what I would say there is if you're looking for an edge case like that, well, you have a choice to make, which is 
uh, if you can afford it, you can buy the MacBook Pro, which is going to be way faster and has a better cooling system. Or if you'd rather have a small laptop that's cheaper, just use the MacBook Air and it will be a little slower because it's a cheaper computer with a slower processor. And the throttling is really not even the issue there. The issue is it's a slower computer with a slower processor because it's not a Pro or a Max. It's just a base level. So um, it is... MacBook Air is honestly it's enough computer for um you know 99.9% of people. Um I think the reasons you don't get it are you have you must have two external displays in which case you got to get a MacBook Pro. Sorry mm-hmm. to those people. Uh if you if you really want the best quality display on the laptop, that is a place where the MacBook Pros are far and away as we've said above what the MacBook Air has. Um, you want that extra port? <laughs> There's only one extra port because the pros only have three ports in MagSafe and this has two ports in MagSafe. So it's not even that much of a bonanza. Um, but the, like the differences are pretty clear. And if you took the MacBook Pro 13 out of the equation and the M1 MacBook Air out of the equation, which you, you can't because of pricing, but if you did and you just had these three laptops, they would make sense because it's essentially the low-end laptop, which is pretty good. And then the high-end laptop, which comes in two sizes and is way better in a bunch of ways. And that's that. That's actually, it's like Apple is creeping towards some simplicity in the MacBook line, which is why I'm sure that something will come out that'll totally wreck it. But um, but they're creeping in that direction because these the, the Air makes sense as the little buddy who's less capable and cheaper than those MacBook Pros. I think that there is a lot. There's obviously a lot of conversation around this, as you mentioned, like on, in, especially on YouTube. This is not a professional computer. Like, it's not that. It's not. You know, the fact that you nope. can make it hot, like, okay, like, you can do that. Like, that's a thing. Yes. But that's the vast majority of people that buy right. this computer, they will mostly use it for standard computer tasks. They're, they're never going to throttle it. Never, mm-hmm. ever, 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 ever going to thr- come close to throttling it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and like I said, throttling sounds terrifying. It's not. It just means that it runs a little slower until it cools down. It just means your job runs slower, but your job's already going to be running so much faster than it was on your previous computer that you won't even notice or matter. Yeah. I, I think that this is also spillover from that 13-inch MacBook Pro, um, where, I mean, look, we've already beaten it to death, so I won't go back into it. But I think that in addition to the fact that it's completely uninspired and... I'm beating it a little bit. Uh, completely uninspired, old design. Why does it even exist? It's to hit a price point. Uh, like, nobody should buy it. Uh, I think it's fair to say, why is it called Pro? If it doesn't have a Pro chip, it doesn't support more external monitors, um, and it uh, doesn't support the maximum you could get out of the M2 chip because its cooling system still isn't really good enough at high levels to keep it cool enough to stop it from throttling even with the fan blowing like i think those are all fair questions i i think i think the fact that that computer shouldn't exist at all it kind of trumps the rest of them (laughs) but i think those are fair questions to ask but this is a macbook air i think the honestly i think the only fair question to ask about the macbook air in this whole universe that we're talking about is it's it's 11.99 and I have in the back of my head just a little bit of a concern, right? Like, isn't this what Apple did before with the MacBook where and the, and the 13-inch MacBook Pro where they tried to make a brand new MacBook Air that people would buy, but because it was not 999 
they didn't. They just kept buying the 999 one. And I think that there's enough value in here that you should probably get the get the uh, the M2 version. But keep in mind, like if you you should probably upgrade the SSD because it'll be a lot faster if you have a 512 SSD than the 256 because of a design decision Apple made. And so the base model yeah. is not as great, even though we didn't get it. Strangely, Apple's not giving this out to reviewers, so we haven't seen yeah. it. But that's that's going to be the case, just as it was with the MacBook Pro. My concern about this product more is how long is that M1 MacBook Air going to hang around? Because this is a great product, but this product needs to go to 999. It really does. It's got to happen within two years, I feel like. Inflation is an issue and all that. But my point is, is you can't make this product. This product's not going to be the number one selling Mac laptop if it's $200 more than the product that's perfectly good that everybody loves. So that's my big concern is more not with the product, but with the fact that Apple is letting it hang above the old product because it has some vibes of the 12-inch MacBook and that 13-inch MacBook Pro that were the Retina ones, so you shouldn't buy the MacBook Air, and everybody just kept buying the MacBook Air non-Retina for $999 because they liked it. So at some point, Apple's going to, hopefully this product, I guess what I'm saying is hopefully this product is engineered in terms of profit margin and parts and all of that to push down the line and kick the M1 Air out at some Mm -hmm. point because it does need to do that. Maybe this was just a really bad time to launch a new laptop. Oh, undoubtedly, this is a terrible time to launch a new laptop. And and the, the other thing is, this is a unique time where the Apple Silicon transition is so dramatic that um, if you if you come from an Intel to an M1 Air, which is an, a year and a half old product, it's still 10 times faster, right? Like you're not taking a step backward by going to an M1 Air, uh, which is why I still think they're going to sell a lot of M1 Airs because they're cheaper and you don't, you, it's still a huge upgrade from Intel to Apple Silicon. So this is a unique time for Apple to even offer, continue offering an old model because the old model's, um, value as an upgrade is still enormous. All right. So I wanted to ask you, do you think that this job does a, this machine does a good job of replacing the previous MacBook Air? But I want to actually ask you that question slightly differently because I think, okay. I think you've answered yes to that. But what I want to now ask you is someone comes to you and they say, Jason, I want a Mac. What do I get? I have to update my, you know, what what laptop do I buy my kid mm-hmm. for college uh, story, and I mean, I would, I, I don't have an easy answer. I would say, and and you can see this in my review, sort of at the end, I have a section that's sort of like struggling with this issue. The M1 Air is great, and I don't know what your financial circumstances are. I don't know what your budget is. The M2 Air is really nice. Like, if you can afford to buy an M2 Air instead of an M1 Air, I think you should. <laughs> right but the m1 air is a couple hundred bucks cheaper and yeah the screen isn't as good and it doesn't have magsafe so if you're if you're really like stretching to get a new laptop for your kid or something um and you're like i i you know 11.99 or maybe if i upgrade it it's 13.99 is is really too rich for my blood like there, you're not going to go wrong getting an M1 Air, getting a refurb M1 Air if you want to, right? Save even more money. And of course, we should say if it's your kid in school, you can buy it for a hundred dollars less at the education store. So you can you can get a really great deal for an M1 Air, and it will be a spectacularly good computer. I will say, think about who you're buying it for. 
I bought my son a MacBook Pro before this thing came out. I bought him a 14-inch MacBook Pro, base model, basically. And one of my reasons for doing that is his computer died. And I thought, well, I could get him an M1 Air. And then I thought, he destroys power cords. He destroys power cords. He torques the edges of the power cords, and I have to replace his USB-C power cords all the time. And like, yes, should I teach him better cord etiquette? Of course I could. He's a teenager. He's not listening. Um, And I thought to myself, MagSafe has a substantial value for that person. (laughs) Because if he tries to put that level of torque on MagSafe, it's just going to pop off. And he's not going to destroy the cord, probably. He'll learn better cord etiquette because his laptop will never be charged. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So he'll have to baby that that MagSafe mm-hmm. to keep it on there. So I think I think it comes down to that. So I've got my personal reasons for thinking MagSafe was a priority. And yes, today I would probably just get him a MacBook Air. But um, his computer died, his middle of his senior year, and I, I got him the MacBook Pro. And and it's it's like I'm doing a nice thing for my kid who's graduating and going off to college. Um, but that's that's what I would say is you've got to you've got to balance the new features in the M2 Air, which the M2 processor is one of them, but like the design and the MagSafe and the the bigger screen is really, and then sort of niceness of all of that, that's really what you're paying for there. And it's a little bit faster. And you, everybody's going to have to balance those two things. I'm glad the M1 Air is still out there, like we said um, a moment ago, because this is a unique time where, you know, if you're sitting, most people buying these computers are are coming from an Intel laptop. Like the M1 Air is still an enormous leap forward. It's still, you know, even though it's two years old, it's an enormous leap forward. So there's no shame in buying an M1 Air. Um, and if if your priorities don't include spending more money for a you know new design and MagSafe and a little bit bigger screen, if you're like, yeah, it doesn't matter to me, save your money, or or use that money to buy. A little more storage or a little more RAM instead, and use and on the M1, the M1 Air is going to be great. So that's the I think that's the M2 Air's biggest competition. It's literally it's the M1 Air because it's still so great. Yeah, I'm so basically my plan is to use this over the next couple of weeks as my daily machine. All right. So in two weeks' time or so, uh, I will talk about what it's been like for me to swap out. The MacBook Air, the MacBook Air from my MacBook Pro. Uh, so I'm going to use it plugged into my studio display. It's going to be the laptop I take to and from the studio every single day, um, and I'm going to use it as my main computer and see uh, kind of how far it can get me. Because also, this is actually me working out if like this is what I want to do anyway. Like I've thought about what it would be to have a MacBook Air as my like main computer, and then my MacBook Pro as my actual like always permanently plugged into the podcasting setup because that machine's so powerful like when i sometimes when i do things on my m1 imac i'm like oh man this macbook pro is so much faster like for all of the like the processing of audio and stuff so that might be where i end up going but i'm so i'm pleased to have this computer for a couple of weeks so i can try and work that out so i'll report back on that all right. And the the yellow iMac, by the way, because Zach is already feeling bad about it. The yellow iMac is going to become my home computer, so like a permanent computer at home, uh, nice and on display. So don't feel too bad for it. It will it will be having a new lease of life at home eventually. Nice. This episode is brought to you by Ladder. There are always those tasks that you put off and put off because they're not nice to think about or you don't want to have to deal with the hassle of them. But getting things in order feels great, so you should. 
on that note, it makes sense why people get life insurance, especially term coverage, which is surprisingly affordable. Why not pay a bit each month to protect your loved ones? If you're asking yourself this question, choose Ladder. And it's so simple to do, so you don't have to keep putting it off. Ladder is 100% digital. There are no doctors, no needles, no paperwork when you apply for $3 million in coverage or less. Just answer a few questions about your health in an application. You need just a few minutes and a phone or a laptop to apply. And Ladder's smart algorithms work in real time so you'll find out instantly if you're approved. There's no hidden fees. You can cancel at any time and you get a full refund if you change your mind within the first 30 days. Ladder policies are issued by insurers of long-proven histories of paying claims. They're rated A and A-plus by AM Best, and customers rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot, and they made Forbes' best life insurance of 2021 list. Since life insurance costs more as you age, now's the time to cross it off your list. Don't let it be that thing that you keep putting off. Go to ladderlife.com slash upgrade today to see if you're instantly approved. That's L-A-D-D-E-R life.com slash upgrade. One last time, ladderlife.com slash upgrade. Our thanks to Ladder for the support of this show and Relay FM. So it is the summer of fun. Summer of fun. Summer of fun. So we're going to draft again. We are. In honor of World Emoji Day, which was yesterday. Mm -hmm. Yesterday. Congratulations to World Emoji Day uh, for being Okay, to the day itself. itself. Well, to, Jeremy to Berg moved and... on. So I was going to say congratulations to Jeremy. No, congratulations to Jeremy who did not have to go on a media yeah. blitz yesterday and instead just got to hang out and drink uh, fruity drinks mm-hmm. at a, right? Didn't he have like a frozen alcoholic something Something pink? like that, yeah. It, was, it looked great. So uh, Jeremy was living large basically and not being on CNN talking about emoji, wearing a emoji shirt. So good, congratulations to Jeremy. But I saw Jeremy more. just a few days ago and uh, we were talking about this and he did seem pretty excited. Uh, about like not, a, about not he got a reprieve. Uh-huh. You don't have to do anything for Emoji Day this year because he retired. He did. Jeremy canceled Emoji. Good for him. It's the end of Emoji now. Yeah, he doesn't use them anymore. No, it's not true. He loses them a lot. Yes. Whenever I I message with Jeremy, I always feel like I always add a lot of Emoji anyway. But I always feel like I have to put one in, and I bet so many yeah. people do that to him in his life, and he probably doesn't need he, it. You know, he's living in a bubble. He thinks that Emoji are far more popular than they actually are. <laughs> So Jason said to me, let's do an emoji draft. And I was like, oh, let yeah. me think about my favorite my emoji. Idea. But then you up the stakes, which I yes. enjoy. So what, what we're going to do is, well, I thought emoji draft, it's going to end up being really boring because we're going to draft like the same ones that we always draft. Mm-hmm. I want to I put a little, I want to do a spread of emoji here. So we're going to alternate. We can pick from any emoji on the board. However... Instead of it being, because then it's like, oh, well, you get a smiley and then I get what's left. And then you get animals in nature and then I get what, what's left, right? So well, here's what we're going to do. We can pick, but we have to pick one from all of the, uh, the keyboard categories except yep. for uh, flags, because flags are boring. So smileys and people, animals in nature, food and drink, activity, travel in places, objects, and symbols. Seven categories. We're going to make seven emoji picks each. We don't have to do them in any particular order. So if you want to leap in for an activity, do it. Oh. Uh, you, well, yeah, no, we're not doing them in order because you need to prioritize because otherwise I'm getting the second pick in every single category. So you can choose in any order and then I will choose one from anywhere. You just can't choose more than one in a particular category. All right, I'm going to pick my favorite emoji then, even though I know you won't pick it anyway, but I'm going to pick it. Okay. It's in the symbols category. 
All right. It is called Heart Decoration. That is the Okay, and what does it look favorite. like? It is a kind of pinky purple square with a white heart in the middle. All right. So I, I've gone through today and I've gone to Emojipedia and got all the, the, the official names of my emojis that I'm picking. Oh, wow. Look at you. But everyone has a heart that they like, right? You know, like I yeah, think you're a, blue, you're a blue heart person. Maybe I spoiled that I, for you. I know Steven's an orange heart I, person. I and I wanted to be different. And so I went with this, this very strange heart, um, which is just, it's a heart. It's a white heart in a box. Mm-hmm. Why are you putting a heart in a box, Mike? Why are you doing it? That's me. I put hearts in boxes and give them to people. I am a creep. (laughs) Oh, no. That's terrible. Oh, okay. What am I going to choose here? Um, Yeah, you have given it away. Um, I am going to choose... Let's find him here. Um, In Smiley's and People. Okay. Oh, there's so many to choose from here too. Oh yep. my god. I use so many of these. Um in Smiley's and People, I am going to choose Man Shrugging. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's your favorite emoji in the Smiley's and People category. You know, well look, I use I use the joy emoji and I use the wink emoji and I use the upside down smiley face emoji, and they're all really great. Um, and the head exploding emoji too, but like I find myself d- using the the shrug the shrug emoji a lot okay. because you know of the world and not understanding mm-hmm. people in the mm-hmm. world. So I'm gonna go with the uh, guy shrugging. All right, I'm gonna go to activity next. Okay, trophy. <gasps> trophy mm-hmm. is this uh various why 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 trophy? Tell me why trophy. I like emoji that can be used in various ways, right? And I feel mm-hmm. like the trophy emoji can be used to celebrate something for somebody. Uh, you can give it as a compliment to someone, you know? Like, if Adina says to me, I washed the dishes, I could send her a trophy emoji. It's like, you just won. You're, you're a trophy winner now. Mm-hmm. You just won an award for doing that. So I like the trophy emoji a lot for that. It's, it's one of those ones where, like, it's very obvious what it means when you receive it. And... uh it's fun. All right. That's 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 great. Oh, I am yeah, this is this is tricky. There's so many things to pick for him here. Mm-hmm. Um I'm gonna go with a classic inactivity. You know it. They roll it out from the center field fence at the beginning of the season. The baseball emoji. Ah, oh, baseball emoji. I would never love to have a baseball. One. Love to have a baseball. They have a lot of they have a lot of balls. There's a lot. Well, yeah, <laughs> there See, are. There I are. I thought you were gonna pick what Steve just put in the Discord, which is the curling curling stone. emoji. Oh, curling is on the rise, but I think I have to have to shout it out for baseball here. Mm-hmm. I mean, baseball really needs it, you know. They need that, the, their emoji. Yeah, that's that's simple. I think they just added. Place. That was I, I. I discovered while I was working on like some uh, menu bar or something that the SF symbols doesn't have. Oh no, it was. Um, Overcast uses SF symbols for the playlists, and there are no. Sp- I was had, I was doing a sports playlist, and there's almost no sports iconography for SF symbols. But in the new version of SF symbols that's coming out, they added all the sports iconography, which is great. I'm gonna go food and drink now. Okay, 
and I'm going to pick, this is like a similar usage to trophy for me, which is bottle with popping cork is the champagne emoji. Because again, it's like, that's a great way to celebrate something. You know, somebody, somebody tells you they got some big news, some good news. They did a great, something awesome. You send them mm-hmm. back a champagne emoji, you know, with some that's confetti nice. on the iMessage. You could do that, mm-hmm. you know, like the little awesome, some fireworks or something. That's mm-hmm. a good one. It's a good one. I love it. That's a good one. Um, I like to I, celebrate. I'm gonna stay there in, in food drink. drink. Okay. Can you guess what I'm gonna what I'm gonna choose here? Yes, it's the other one that I uh, put in here, which is the pizza emoji. You got it. It's yeah, pizza. I, it, <laughs> <laughs> I love the pizza emoji. Yeah, I, you put I a little pineapple two, next to it, but I can only pick one. I'm gonna pick the. The pizza emoji. Just in case you, you sniped any of mine. I, I made two in my little short list here. Ah, uh, I see, I see. Pizza was my other one. Okay. I'm going to go to smileys and people. All right. And I'm going to go with smiling face with hearts. So it's the little smiling face yes. with the hearts around it. I think of this as just the love emoji. That's how mm-hmm. I think of this one. Um, and so yeah, that's I think I knew five. you would pick this one. I know you love it, and it's it's a great yep. emoji, right? Because it's basically the I appreciate the love that is either being that's being sent to me, mm-hmm. or that I am sending to you. Mm-hmm. It's really yeah. good. I like it a lot. It's a good one. I, I use I use this in a lot of places where people use hearts. I think like I could do one of the heart emojis. Like I do this mm-hmm. a lot. Like for me, the heart emoji that I use, like the heart decoration, I use it as kind of like a like, you know. Mm-hmm. That's how I think of that one. But this one is like, I appreciate you. It's nice. I am going to stay in animals and nature. And <laughs> stay um, in it. This is the first pick in animals and nature. Oh, sorry. Oh, oh I'm I'm looking at animals and nature here. <laughs> and uh, I'm going with monkey face. <laughs> oh, just general monkey face. I'm going to pick mine real quick, which is see no evil monkey. Oh yeah. Now I will say that since they added the 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 like hiding, you know, like there's the emoji now where you've got like the hands over the eyes with like the peeking through. I yeah. use this less, but I still love this emoji. The monkey ones are great. Yeah, I'm a big fan. There's a monkey emoji, which is like a more of an animal style emoji yeah. where you see the monkey and the tail and all of that this monkey has quite a story right this monkey is looking at you and then it sees no evil and hears no evil and speaks no evil mm-hmm. but also then we get the like the full body shot of the monkey but i i like the monkey face i, I just, don't I, like I, the I full it. body shot of the monkey no i, I don't, don't either. know why never they chose that. the cartoon monkey face for that one well i, I think they they think look we already did a monkey so it's that monkey but, but they have other like ones. Like, I think, is it zebra or horse where they have a cartoon head and then a regular one? Like, it's, it looks yeah. more, like, like life. You were going to say human, right? I was going to say human, <laughs> yeah. Darn it. <laughs> uh, whose turn is it? Uh, it is my turn because okay. we, we, we doubled up on monkeys there. Yeah. Oh, uh, travel in places. This is where I can choose from various trams. Yep. Uh, or I can do objects which is uh, very special. I I have to decide whether I'm going to pick some objects that are um, ironic. Because <laughs> I use a lot of objects ironically. Sure. Um, like my favorite, my favorite bad emoji is the, is the, um, is there, isn't there like a, there's like a, 
pen with a key or pen with a lock. It's pen with a lock, which is yeah. like means like cryptographically signed. Yep. And I think that is one of the dumbest emojis. It's a secret I, I know note. why it's there. You know? But it's uh it's it's really dumb. Um boy. The choice is here. I am going to choose Bridget Knight. <laughs> I originally heard that of somebody called Bridget Knight. Bridget Knight. I am going to choose Bridget Knight, yes. Bridget, the Bridget Knight emoji. Because it's the Golden Gate, right? Because it's the Golden Gate Bridge, yeah. Yeah. In, yeah. Most, in most representations, it's the Golden Gate Bridge, and I live there, so. <laughs> uh, Shout out to Bridget st- Knight, wherever she is. I'm going to stick with travel and places and choose airplane departure. Oh, airplane departure, airplane mm-hmm. taking off. Yeah. Because to me, that means I'm going somewhere, you know? Mm. I set that in Slack as if when I'm traveling, that becomes my little away emoji icon or whatever it is. Uh, and uh, that that means Mike's on the road, you know? Which I appreciate. It's pretty good. Um, while I stall to pick an object, my next pick is going to be Blue Heart from Symbols. My uh, go-to heart is the Blue Heart. I think I've described this, that, that now there are lots of colors of heart, which is great. But there was a time when the red heart was there, and you're like, mm, I don't know, red heart has red some extra meaning aggressive. to it that I, yeah. I don't, um, don't want mm-hmm. to do that. So Blue Heart is my trademark heart, and I love it. We're down to objects now. It's the object emoji draft from here on out. Oh, this is this one's difficult for me because there is an emoji that I have as my personal favorite in this category. But there's an emoji in the objects category that if I don't pick it, I'm not going to hear the end of it. And people oh, yeah, aren't going to stop saying it. So well, you, could le- you could no, leave that for another podcast and pick no, a different one here. No, I'm going to have to pick it here. I'm never going to hear the end of it. Uh, in the objects category, I will pick the microbe, microbe emoji. Also known as the weird fish. A.K.A. weird fish. In the uh, non-Jeremy era, there is no reference to weird fish on the Emojipedia page. Although I think that mm. also happened during the Jeremy era. But uh, during Maybe it was during the buyout era, the corporate buyout era. So I think got to clean this Jeremy, up. So. Can't, can't say weird fish on the... You know, I actually think it happened uh, during, during COVID because this became the COVID emoji. So I think he oh, had, yeah, to, yeah. had to not call it weird fish anymore. It's probably for the best. That's a shame. Mm-hmm. Wow. I don't I don't even know here. It is really again, funny this... to me that both but like Federico oh, has a yeah. full color version of this tattoo on him, you know? Like uh-huh. Steven Steven did a an interpretation, I'll say, uh, of a tattoo. Federico went full bore. Straight on. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to finish with a, an emoji that I use all the time because it's a it's a shortcut in Slack, which I'm in all the time. And yeah. the shortcut in Slack is, it's technically party popper, but the shortcut in Slack is ta-da. Ta-da. And I use it all the time whenever somebody is celebrating something or sometimes ironically uh, as well. <laughs> um, and it, it gets a, a lot of use and it's pretty nice, right? I, there are some other celebratory emoji, but that's the one that I tend to go with. There's the one where there's the, the, the kind of cups that open and drop confetti out, but I don't want that one. I like the, I like the one where it's almost like a megaphone is, is shooting out confetti. That's the, that's the one I like. So I'm going to put that in there. <laughs> I said one in our Discord, which you know the oh no guy, uh huh, like, oh no, where yeah, that's coming game. out of a tada, uh, out of a tada, oh yeah, yeah that's, that's which pretty is good. really good. I I um 
And that so that's our that's our little run through emojis for World Emoji Day. I will say now I'll tell a little story, which is I had an idea because in many of the slacks that I'm in and some discords, the uh, there are two custom emoji that we use all the time. One is a picture of Tony Sindelar, mm-hmm. um, our friend who did the the GMing our uh, role playing game uh, member special the last couple of years. Yep. Um, and and a long 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 time ago. Uh, Tony would always audibly say when you made a reference, he would say reference acknowledged, which I always thought was very, you know, that's very funny because it's mm-hmm. like, you know, you're fishing for somebody to acknowledge your reference and he just goes out and says it in a uh, kind of a passive aggressive way. It's great. Yeah, if, you, if you've heard people on podcasts say reference acknowledged, that is a meme that that's, came from Tony. It's basically from Tony. Yeah. So there's a picture. Tony's icon was this picture of Tony taken by Dan Morin um, ages ago ages ago and we made that the reference acknowledge emoji and that that just sort of spread so that like in other chats other places where people don't even know tony they're like why is this the reference acknowledge emoji I said, yep. well it's, it's tony sindelar so i had this thought and then we also have a skeletor emoji which is based on art that somebody else did and we paid him a royalty for the t-shirts and stuff like that and i thought you know what i, I could commission those as emoji and i thought well who does that? And I went to Jeremy Burge and I said, who's your artist? Who, what, do you have an artist you could recommend for Emojipedia that I could use to do some custom uh, emoji work of my own just for fun? And he got me in touch with, a, uh, with an artist who do, does a lot of the um, emoji work for Emojipedia. And I got, I commissioned custom reference acknowledge and Skeletor emoji. And so the Skeletor emoji is just a, in the style of Apple's faces, except it's Skeletor. Oh and the reference acknowledge emoji is, uh, is Tony Sindelar, uh, a cartoon version of Tony Sindelar pointing his finger as if to say reference acknowledged. Where are these? Uh, they are, let me see if I can find them here. Do you have them? They're oh, they're on the incomparable Slack, but I can I can okay. I'm gonna post them in the Discord too. I, I I wasn't planning on talking about it, so now I've got to go to the incomparable. There oh. they are. Oh, I've seen the I've seen the Tony one. I've seen the Tony yeah. one. I didn't yeah, know that's that the new Tony. reference acknowledged. Uh, that's good. Emoji. So yeah, now you emoji. don't even know, need to know. Now now you could say if this Skeletal was a Unicode, they would terrifying. be like nerd nerd acknowledging a reference nerd pointing to the right. Nerd with tie pointing to the right, but it, it's a uh, reference acknowledged. And yeah, Skeletor. It's based on the you know it's like the skeleton from, uh, or the the skull from the emoji set, but with a hoodie and a little little uh, heart for upside down heart for a nose, and it's a uh, it's a hooded skeleton emoji. Terrifying, but great. I love it. That's some emoji. This episode is brought to you by Sourcegraph. So you've just hired a great developer. That's awesome, but now you have to get them onboarded. If your company's growing, onboarding new developers will be a common occurrence, but it's also a big undertaking every time. One of the biggest challenges for new hires is to get up to speed with the project that their new team is working on. This can be tricky if the code bases your developers are working in are already large. So thankfully, Sourcegraph makes it easy to move fast even in those big code bases. Developers know that knowledge is most useful when it is findable. Centralization is helpful, but given the fact that most companies store knowledge in multiple locations, how do you make knowledge accessible to those that need it? 
As a code intelligence platform, SourceGraph gives developers what they need to drive their own learning over time and in different situations. Teams without SourceGraph need to learn uh, need to rely on asking colleagues or reviewing outdate documentation, which is cumbersome and time-consuming. But with SourceGraph, every developer can search across millions of repositories to find specific code, saving time for themselves and everyone else. So when questions do come up, you know it's the big stuff that's worthy of the extra time. SourceGraph was created to make developers' lives easier, and today they work with leading companies across every industry, including three out of the five top tech companies, plus PayPal, Uber, Plaid, GE, Reddit, and Atlassian. Visit about.sourcegraph.com to learn more. That's about.sourcegraph.com to find out more why some of the biggest tech companies in the world use SourceGraph and to see what it can do for yours. Just click the link in the show notes. You can let them know that you heard about them from this show. That is about.sourcegraph.com. Our thanks to SourceGraph for the support of this show and Relay FM. That's some hashtag ask upgrade questions for you, Jason <laughs> Snell. The first comes from Brantz, who asks, which do you think will come first, Face ID on the Mac or Touch ID in the display of an iPhone? Oh, wow. Um, That's a tough one, because I think both could happen, but also both could never happen. Um... You know, I'm going to say Touch ID on the iPhone display only because I feel like Face ID on the Mac obviously hasn't been a priority for Apple. Like they could do something like what Microsoft does with the Windows login feature, and they obviously have decided that that's not good enough for them and that if they're going to do Face ID, they're going to do it properly. And those laptops are so um, space-constrained. They're so, you know, to fit a sensor in the thin laptop uh, display shell is just, it's asking a lot. And they've all got... They've all got Touch ID, and there's an external keyboard with Touch ID. They just did their display, and it doesn't have Face ID in it. Like, I feel like they just redesigned the MacBook Pro. Like, they've had ample opportunity to put Face ID on the Mac, and they haven't done it. And so I'm going to take that as evidence that they don't think that they need to. And instead say, Touch ID and the display on the iPhone, is it redundant? Do they Are they really proud of Face ID? Yes. Are there situations where Touch ID is better than, than Face ID? Yes. Um will they get there at some point? I think yes. So I, I don't have proof that they dislike that idea and they seem to dislike the face ID on Mac idea. So that's that's why I choose that. What do you think, Mike? I had to think about this because like, I feel like face ID on the Mac would be easier to implement than touch ID in display on the iPhone in a way that is really good for Apple at least, like I know lots of companies, lots and lots of companies, you know, I was thinking about this the other day, like I was thinking about the, um, you know, like the rumor of the the whole punch and pill thing uh, on the next iPhone, like instead of a notch. Right. And I was thinking like, you know, I was thinking Samsung phones, sorry, Android phones, including Samsung's don't have this problem. I was like, oh yeah, because nobody has lent into the face identification the way that Apple has. Like a couple of device manufacturers tried it, but ultimately just they just do like a visual scan. It's not using like IR, like they just use like a facial recognition kind of thing. And but they really have all just kind of stuck with Touch ID outside of of uh, iPhone, right? And so all of these devices, they don't have to worry about the notch or whatever. Really, they could do the hole punches, and because they, they just they they really push on like the, having some kind of fingerprint scanning. So, you know, like I was thinking, like, really, Apple's kind of like, they're, they're focused on this technology. They're just going to keep doubling down on it. And, and I really like it. Like, I actually, 
in general, prefer Face ID, especially since they added the Face ID with a mask on. Um, it's like, again, has made me fall in love with Face ID all over again because I didn't have that frustration. But Apple doesn't have anything with that they make with the technology of in-screen Touch ID. And I don't know just like kind of like how they would make that work for themselves or whatever. But Face ID, they know how to do. So like I kind of go back and forth on it. I think I would say Face ID on a Mac is more likely to come first than Touch ID display on an iPhone. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a tough question. Like, I could imagine them bringing it to the power button of the iPhone faster, but that's not the question. Yeah, I don't know. It, this is a this, it's a it's a tough one because I don't think I I have a great expectation for either of them anytime soon. They could, no. uh, but like I said, both of them could happen. But I don't think I would bet on either of them. I would say we're at least two years away from Face ID on a Mac. I yeah, I think it might be longer unless there's a surprise and yeah. that they have a high end. Maybe that high end display that's rumored has a Face ID sensor in it. Um, I could see that it's possible, but again, it's going to be so limited because they're not going to bring them to the laptops for a while. I think unless they. Like, I mean, I, I don't know. It, it's going to be hard. Unless there's something that we're not thinking of, which it could be. Like, what if they have they sneak a sensor into the bottom case of the laptop that shoots up at your face and can be thicker because it's at the back of the keyboard or something? Hmm. Like, maybe. Maybe something like that. But the, the, the displays are so thin that getting a super thin um, Face ID sensor up there is going to be tricky. Not that they couldn't do it, but it's going to be hard. Yeah, maybe it's not the laptops at first, right? Maybe. Something that's super weird to me, I don't know why this has happened. Like, I'd forgotten about this, but I saw it uh, when the public beta came out. I saw it in an MKBHD video. That Face ID on the iPhone now works in landscape. Oh, does it? Yeah. I just tried it out to test it myself, and it does. I don't know why. (laughs) Why has it taken this time to do that? It's very peculiar to me. When the, the iPads have been doing it for years. Yeah. I don't know, not a priority, or there I was guess. a particular software quirk that. I, guess. I mean, it's possible that they reorganized the uh, iOS, the iPhone Face ID stuff when they did the mask detection, and that mm-hmm. you know, right? It's possible that they did the first implementation on the iPhone, then did one for the iPad that that needed to be broader. Didn't bother rolling that back to the iPhone because who cared? And then the mask thing came up, and they're like, "All oh, right, well, we should probably take the code from the iPad and then build on that, so that yep. we've you know, th- so that they stay kind of in sync a little bit." So it, it could just be that that simple, but that's just a, a, a I just I'm guessing I'm spitballing with that one. Eric wants to know, can continuity camera auto-detect an iPhone that's other than my primary iPhone? So, for example, I could leave a spare older phone connected permanently to my um, my display like I do with camo. So can it detect more than one phone, basically? I, uh, I believe so. Mm-hmm. I think any any device that's close to your computer that is logged in with a, any iPhone that's running iOS 16 and is logged in with your Apple ID is available as a camera. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I've had two running in, you know, proximity for me to test that. I will, I will test that at some point, but I've definitely, 
used a f- camera that's not, you know, not my phone, but another one that's logged in and mm-hmm. that has worked. So I think it's just a continuity feature. If there's, if you had a, another phone, keep in mind, there's some compatibility issues, right? It can't be an old iPhone. It's got to be for some of the features. It's like iPhone 11 and later, um, for some of them, it's like 10 R and later, like there's, there's some compatibility issues with continuity camera on the iPhone. But if you do have a, a capable one, and it's just hanging out by your desk being used as a camera. Sure. You should be able to do that. No problem. Uh, David asks, now that the M2 has finally arrived, how long do you think we'll need to wait to see M2 chips in any of the other five products that Apple currently ships with the M1? So I will just note, uh, Mark Gurman said over the weekend that he expects M2 Pro and Max chips in the uh, to, to start appearing in MacBook Pros sometime between the fall of 2022 and the spring of 2023. So what I want to say is in the in less than a year, they'll all just be updated to M2. However, Mark Gurman suggests that they're not going to bother updating a bunch of them to M2, like the iMac. I don't get it. Like, I don't get it. I don't get why they wouldn't update to the M2. It surprises me that they, they don't have this thing set up so that they can just flip over to the M2 on these systems one at a time and as the M1 and maybe it's an issue of like the M1 is becomes cheaper to produce and it's it's still as we've talked about earlier um such a leap from Intel that you can get away with keeping the M1s around for quite a while and it's still a big update from any previous Mac but I I know that Apple didn't used to do this you know quite as often with these updates but like they they got the M2 now you would think that they would be motivated to just roll that M2 out into all those other systems um, and upgrade them. But, mm-hmm. you know, maybe the, the price is such a consideration at this point that it's just easier to leave them there. So I think, uh, according to Mark Gurman, David, we'll, we'll have to wait forever because some of those products are not ever going to get an M2. They're going to go to M3 instead, and they're just going to skip M2. Uh, I think that's weird, but that's what Mark Gurman sort of thinks is uh, going to happen. I reckon if they do more, it'll take like 18 months. I reckon 18 months is going to be the kind of... Yeah, but I mean, like, again, it, it, Mark Ehrman just came out and said the new the next iMac will yep. be an M3. So yep. what is that about, right? I don't so know. I don't know. I don't know. I think some of them will get M2, but I, I, I suspect maybe that they're going to take them along as needed. So like the Mac Mini is rumored to get an update, but the Mac Mini rumor is that they're going to get an M2 in there, but also have an M2 Pro option. Right, so that that makes it a more of an more of an upgrade than just from M1 to M2. So maybe the 13-inch MacBook Pro will be an outlier again in that it's identical to its predecessor, except for they swapped in the new chip. But I kind of assume that they would do that to most models, just update them in place. Todd asks, if you record uncompressed audio, do you use Wave? So WAV or AAFF, uh-huh. which is Apple something, something lossless. What is that? Apple something Intercha- file uh, format? Audio interchange file format, actually, oh, is I go. think what it is. By the way, WAV and AIFF are actually identical. They're just bitstream audio. They're uncompressed audio. Um, the difference is the headers. So they are no different. And um, it is, yeah, they're, they're after, the, after the headers that tell you what's in it, it's basically the same file. Um, I mostly use WAV because I... Um, you one of the editors that i use uses a mac and one of the editors i use uses a pc and so i just find it easier to do wave because nobody looks at a wave and goes huh and aiff 
sometimes people go, huh? Also, AIFF, you have this question of is it .AIFF or .AIF? And like wave is just wave and everybody knows it and it's fine. So I save everything as a wave. I do wave too because for the same reason, it's just the, I mean, I started recording um, uncompressed because old upgradians will remember when Mike used to use a Trashcan Mac Pro and it would sometimes completely lock up during recording and the only way for me to be able to use my computer again was to power it down forcibly. Right, good times. Which if I was recording in an MP3 or something like that, would I would lose the audio because the way that an MP3 kind of works is like... It, it, the file is completed when you stop recording, and a and an, a, a non like uh, securely completed. I'm simplifying this massively. But if 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 a MP3 file cuts off before you press stop on the recorder and it saves it, you, it's mostly unusable. Like most of the time, you've lost the audio. So I started recording in Wave because the because it's uncompressed whatever's being written to the file is just where the file will end if power cut for example or, or there yeah, was an that's, error so so yeah the the um when we were using call recorder using mm -hmm. quicktime it needed to finalize the recording where it was a complete loss mm -hmm. and it's like unacceptable so record it didn't record need to that wave when I, we did it with wave so yeah so if you pull the plug it just yeah the the recording stopped obviously cuz you pulled the plug on your computer but Every single sample is in the file. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um, the uh, second part of this question was compressed lossless format. In the end, disk space isn't an issue for us. File transfer time isn't really an issue for us. These are big files, but they're not enormous and our internet's fast enough. Mm -hmm. And personally, same thing, right? Which is I'd rather keep it as simple as possible of reading what's the waveform off the, off the microphone or the interface and putting it on the disk as quickly as possible. A compressed format, all it gets me is more CPU use of my computer, more chances for it to do something bad. <laughs> and, like, and I don't, and yeah, it's a smaller file, but I, I don't need it to be a smaller file. If I wanted the archive to be smaller, I will compress it into a flack or something and i have a script that marco armand actually wrote um and gave me a billion years ago that will um automatically sort of flack compress everything or decompress it uh in a logic project and i use that um with a hazel script it looks at all my old logic projects and just flattens all that stuff down into flack where it's going to save a lot of space but when i'm working on it i don't i don't want to deal with any of that so it's just straight up wave yeah i um I record everything in Wave and basically just have a Hazel script, Hazel from NoodleSoft. It's such a really great application that just it just bins the old files from that audio, the file where I have all my audio hijack recordings save because they're about like between three hundred and six hundred megabytes. The files that those Wave files, so I don't want them building up forever. You know, like just the calls or whatever, like the the actual recordings of the calls before I do any processing to the audio. So I just have it go in and just just clear those out for me. Uh, yep. Last question today comes from Brantz, who asks, if you could choose any color you want for the new MacBook Air that doesn't exist currently, which one would you want the most? I was thinking about this. I, I am caught between saying, I'd probably say blue. Okay. But orange would be just fine with me. I would choose blue or orange. That's sort of my, that's where I am in my life right now is, mm -hmm. can I get it in blue or orange? Well, then that's what I would like it in. Orange would be what, what I would want. That would be the color I would want. 
be orange. Although orange I would laptop. be tempted to get it in yellow to match my iMac. Yeah, sure. So either, no, I would say either orange or yellow. laptop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just trying that's to imagine point, that actually. thing in blue, and it would it would look so good. But I, I agree with the theory um, espoused on, on several podcasts last week that they got time. Right, Gruber wrote that in his review too. It's yeah, like, I like this that. is a brand new design. They got time to do to do iterations where they add different colors, um, because this design will be with us probably for many years to come. Yeah. All right. If you would like to send in a question for us to answer on the show, just send out a tweet with the hashtag Ask Upgrade or use question mark Ask Upgrade in the Relay FM members Discord. I would like to thank Sourcegraph, Ladder, and Mode for their support of this episode, and of course, thanks to you, our wonderful listeners, and. Um, people who support us with an Upgrade Plus membership. Uh, thanks to Jason, as always, for joining me. Uh, if you can, f- mm. you'll find Jason's work as always at sixcolors.com. And he is at Jason on Twitter, J S N E W L. Jason hosts many shows over at The Incomparable and Relay FM as well. Uh, so do I. You can find shows that we're both on, along with many of our wonderfully talented hosts at relay.fm slash shows. Uh, we'll be back next week. With a pre-recorded episode, just so if there's yeah, any some, news summer that happens, of fun. with summer of fun in it, and we're pre-recording an episode with special uh, guests, with special guests, but special guests, you know, it's not we're not no, pre-announcing yeah. some like we're not we no, haven't people got like you know. the Johnny Ive special or whatever. We're diving back in classic upgrade fashion. We're mm-hmm. diving back into the verticals. We're going to have three experts on who you know, who y'all mm-hmm. know. And uh, we're going to talk about three different sort of a vertical categories for segments with each of them as part of the Summer yep. of Fun. It'll be fun. So that will be next week's episode. So if there's any big news, it will come the week after. So that's what we're going to have to do. Okay? Yeah. Okay. We're all, Deal, everyone? Okay. Deal. Meet right, back deal. here again next week. You'll be here. You'll hear us. We won't actually we won't be, be here. here. And then we'll meet back here again in two weeks, and we will be here. Yeah. Until next time. That's how time works. Say goodbye, Jason Snow. Goodbye, Mike Early.